Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates Divine Mercy Sunday. In this feast, we recognize how great and overwhelming God's mercy is for each and every one of us. Now, Divine Mercy Sunday was instituted by Pope John Paul II in the year 2001, and it was based upon the apparitions of Sister Faustina. Now, Sister Faustina, she belonged to the Order of the Most Blessed Sacrament. And in the 1930s, while she was living in Poland, she received apparitions of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ appeared to her several times and taught her about God's mercy and how great it is. And after each of the apparitions, Sister Faustina wrote exactly what Jesus told her. Well, after a while, Jesus commissioned Sister Faustina to promulgate God's mercy throughout the world in two different ways. First, through an image. He told Sister Faustina to paint an image of Jesus Christ, an image in which Jesus was wearing a white shroud and emanating from his heart were two rays, one white and one red. And the rays represented essentially Jesus' side in which he was pierced after his crucifixion. Water and blood flowed. Well, the white ray represented water, in this case, symbolic of our baptism. And the red ray represented the Eucharist, Jesus' blood that we drink every time we gather for Mass. And both give us the promise of eternal life. More to it, the image of Jesus was the resurrected Christ. In the image, you could see the nail marks on Jesus' hands. The other thing that Jesus told Sister Faustina was to promulgate how overwhelming God's mercy is by exactly what he told her. To write it down and then tell the world. Now, John Paul II recognized the significance of these writings as well as the image. And because of them, he established Divine Mercy Sunday. The only problem he had was where to put it in the liturgical calendar. He put it as the second Sunday of Easter. Now, why so close to Easter? Because John Paul II, in his homily, when he instituted this feast, he said the only way that we could possibly fathom and appreciate how overwhelming God's mercy is must be seen through the lens of Jesus' death and resurrection. Only through the lens of Jesus' death and resurrection do we see that we have a God that will stop at nothing nothing at all, to show us his mercy and love, even to the extent of dying on the cross. Now, turn to the gospel for this weekend. It's perfect for this feast that we celebrate. Notice how it begins. On the evening of the first day of the week, we'll stop right there. John is doing exactly what Mark did last week. He's noting the first day of the week, 
which means he's referencing the story of creation. He's telling us, he's piquing our interest, that this story that we are about to hear today is going to be more powerful than the story of creation. The apostles are going to experience a new creation through the resurrected Christ. Now, it says, When the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. The doors were locked. It's symbolic of the sinful soul. The sinful soul is always locked in on itself, cares nothing about no one else except themselves. Now, appreciate the context in which this gospel is set in. For three years, the apostles were with Jesus. They were his close companions. They shared everything with him, day in and day out. They shared their lives, their thoughts, their ideas, their dreams. But most importantly, they shared friendship with Jesus. And yet, at the moment in which Jesus needed them the most, they cut out and abandoned him. Worse yet, Peter denies him three times. And yet, now they're in hiding. This is the picture of the sinful soul. Yes, they may be afraid of the Jews, that they might be next to be crucified, but I think they are more ashamed of what they've done to Jesus and how they sinned against him. And yet, Jesus, it says, he stood in their midst. So, he transcends time and space, despite the obstacles they create. Now, this is good news for us. Why? Because sometimes we create obstacles, whatever they may be. Maybe our sinfulness, maybe because we're so busy. We say, you know, I just don't have time to pray today. I'm so busy. Or I just don't have time to go on that retreat. I have so many other things to do. Well, the good news, Jesus transcends those obstacles so he can stand in our midst and offer us peace. And so, the very first words out of Jesus' mouth after his resurrection and his first encounter with the apostles is, peace be with you. He doesn't express anger, frustration, or disappointment, but instead he says, shalom. He imparts his mercy upon the apostles because he knows the apostles desperately need his mercy. Next, it says, he showed them his wounds. Now, why does he do this? Because he wants to show the apostles the effects of sin, the effects of rejection of Jesus. And yet, these wounds didn't conquer Jesus. Just the opposite. Jesus now claims victory over death and over his wounds. That's why it says, next, the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. I always say, joy or an inner sense of peace is always the hallmark of the Holy Spirit. And so the apostles rejoice, not just in the presence of Jesus, but they rejoice because they've been forgiven. Now Jesus says to the apostles a second time, peace be with you. Well, now he commissions the apostles to carry out and share God's mercy to the rest of the world. Why? Because the message of God's limitless mercy for us all is so great it can't be contained. The apostles first received God's mercy when Jesus said the first time, peace be with you. But now he says it a second time. And that means the apostles must carry out that mercy to the world. Show other people God's mercy. Give you a good analogy of what I mean here. Say tonight you go to the movie theater and you see a great movie. It's not just great, it's powerful. It moves you to the extent that you change your life forever. Well, what's your first inclination? 
You get up in the morning and you want to tell everyone about it because you're so excited. You start calling or texting your family and your friends and you're telling them, you've got to see this movie. It'll move you. It has changed my life forever. You're naturally compelled to do just that. And so that's what happened to Sister Faustina, as well as the apostles. They received God's overwhelming mercy, and then they were commissioned, compelled, to go out and share that mercy with the world. Give you another great example. Mother Teresa. In 1946, she is on a train to Dar J. Dean to recover from tuberculosis. While on that train, she is praying. And as she's praying, she hears the words of Jesus Christ spoken to her. And the words are, I thirst, I thirst. Now, those are the last words that Jesus spoke right before he died on the cross. And yet now, Jesus is speaking those words to Mother Teresa as she is praying. Now, at first, she didn't understand what those words meant. But after a few weeks of prayer and contemplation, she began to understand. When Jesus said, I thirst, he was telling Mother Teresa that Jesus thirsts for the salvation of all the souls in the world. Afterwards, Mother Teresa started her own order, the Missionaries of Charity, and she brought the thirst of Jesus Christ for the salvation of souls to the poor of the world. She brought that thirst for the salvation of souls to the homeless and the sick and the dying. In fact, if you go to any Missionary of Charity's chapel, regardless of whether it is in the world, if you look up on the ceiling, right above the altar, are those words, I thirst. Those words had a profound effect on Mother Teresa's life, such that she made those words the primary mission of her order, to bring Jesus Christ's thirst for the salvation of souls to the poor, especially those who felt furthest away from God's mercy and love. So you say to yourself, okay, how do I apply this in my life? Well, we have to be like Sister Faustina, Mother Teresa, and the apostles. We have to see the wounds of Jesus Christ, see the effects of sin, and then act upon it. Seek God's mercy, and it will be given to us in an overwhelming way in a super abundant, over-the-top way, more than we could ever imagine or use. Allow God to say to us, peace be with you, shalom. And then allow those words to resonate deep with inside of us. And then like Sister Faustina and Mother Teresa, once we have experienced God's mercy, we're naturally compelled to share that mercy with others in this world. Go back to the gospel. How does it begin? with the apostles locked in a room, desperately in need of God's mercy, and they receive it. How does it end? With the apostles going out into this world and sharing that mercy, the mercy of God with others. Well, we make up the church. And 2,000 years later, we too continue that work. We have received the mercy of God. Like Sister Faustina, Mother Teresa, and the apostles, And now we must go out into this world and share that mercy with others, especially those that feel furthest away from God's mercy and love. Friends, strongly encourage you, take some time today on Divine Mercy Sunday, and if not today, sometime this week, reread this gospel passage. It's a powerful story 
that changed people's life, like Sister Faustina, Mother Teresa, receive the mercy of God. It's overwhelming. It changes our life. And then once we have received it, we are naturally compelled to go out into this world and share it with others, especially those that feel furthest away from it. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.